Welcome to the Cocky Ride Home for Wednesday, December 29th, 2021. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, a history of the humble donut as a symbol of American patriotism and a circular source of joy world round. Plus, a roundup of New Year's traditions from around the world, in case you're looking for a little inspiration on this perhaps quieter than usual New Year's Eve. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Donuts, as we know them today, really only date back to about the 18th century, specifically around the American Revolution. But the idea of fried dough as a treat goes back way longer. The BBC says, quote, It's probably been on the menu for as long as flour has been milled and large quantities of animal fat or oil have been on hand. End quote. And Eater adds, quote, The first reference to a fried dough, a honey-glazed sweet fried in olive oil, comes from Athenius in the 3rd century CE. End quote. And indeed, there are many examples of different fried dough dishes, sweet and savory, from around the world going back millennia, from French beignets to Navajo fry bread and more. But it took the fusion of cultures and a heaping spoonful of faux nostalgia to transform those doughy desserts into the American icon that is the donut. And I do mean American icon. Despite its popularity around the world, the donut is inextricably tied to American patriotism, in its origins, and in its sustained appeal throughout the generations. As the BBC explains, in the time period surrounding the American Revolution, the infant nation was trying to find its identity. So, in matters of culture and character, a lot of writers put a heavy emphasis on any influences the nation could be said to have had in its then very brief history. Many of the culture makers of the time were based in New York, until very recently known as New Amsterdam, and so in grasping for any early traditions, they leaned into the culture of Dutch immigrants. And it turns out that the man already responsible for helping bring Christmas and Halloween as we know them today to America also helped popularize a predecessor to the donuts. Quoting the BBC, one of the earliest mentions of donuts in American writing came from Washington Irving, the writer and diplomat best known for The Legend of Sleepy Hollow and Rip Van Winkle. In his 1809 Knickerbocker's History of New York, he goes on at length about quaint Amero-Dutch folkways, describing the primitive tea parties of the not-so-distant past. These fashionable parties were generally confined to the higher classes, or noblesse, that is to say, such as kept their own cows and drove their own wagons, he wrote with a mix of sentimentality and condescension. It was always sure to boast an enormous dish of balls of sweetened dough fried in hog's fat and called donuts, or olicoks, a delicious kind of cake at present scarce known in the city except in genuine Dutch families." End quote. Those olikoken, according to a 17th century Dutch recipe book, were typically leavened with yeast and decorated with dried fruit. And an important reminder that Irving's Knickerbocker's history was satirical, but nonetheless, through its at times invented folklore, helped establish a lot of persisting customs and language, like the New York Knicks, who used to be the Knickerbockers, based on the nickname for New Yorkers based on Irving's satirical history of the city. But anyways, back to donuts. Despite that being the first instance of the word donut in print, several sources claim there was a shop selling some version of those Dutch Olikoken as early as 1673. 
But the way Irving presented them as a sort of rustic tradition with ties to our nation's origins helped them persist as a popular homemade treat for decades, popping up in down-home stories like The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. They became a bit more popular after 1829 when, according to Eater, chemical leaveners like pearl ash became widely available. The use of these leaveners, precursors to baking powder, meant that the donuts didn't take nearly as long to rise. But they wouldn't really become so ubiquitous until after the First World War. Quoting the BBC, Donuts's folksy cred may have reached its apex with the Donut Girls of World War I, Salvation Army volunteers who fried donuts for American troops. Hundreds of thousands of them were handed out near the trenches, and posters and tributes to these women's devotion in bringing a taste of home to soldiers abound. The Salvation Army's profile was likewise elevated. By the time the war ended, their chosen totem, the donut, was an ingrained symbol of home, writes John T. Edge in his book Donuts, an American Passion, end quote. An eater notes that the women who served the donuts were called donut dollies, and according to JSTOR Daily, the soldiers who couldn't get enough may have been dubbed doughboys. Even if they were nicknamed as such, that wasn't actually the origin of the term doughboy. Quoting Smithsonian Magazine, The name doughboy goes back to the relatively donutless Civil War, when the cavalry derided foot soldiers as doughboys, perhaps because their globular brass buttons resembled flour dumplings, or because soldiers used flour to polish their white belts. End quote. But anyways, a lot of those returning World War I veterans, the Doughboys, opened up their own donut shops. Helped along by a 1920 invention by Russian immigrant Adolf Levitt, the wonderful, almost human, automatic donut machine, which could make 960 donuts an hour. After World War II, during which 10 million donuts were consumed, machines were making tens of thousands of donuts a day, and the modern franchises like Dunkin' Donuts and Krispy Kreme were founded, or expanded in Krispy Kreme's case. Donuts became a strong symbol of American patriotism, from donut shops named things like Mayflower, to donuts presented as a dish for the common man in popular movies. According to Smithsonian Magazine, donuts were a shining gem of the 1934 World's Fair, called the food hit of the century of progress. But, quoting JSTOR Daily, that undivided, circular, delicious, deep-fried link didn't last. In the 1970s, donuts got competition in the form of muffins, croissants, and other fatty breakfast foods. They lost their working-class associations, and perhaps most damningly to James Deutsch in his 1994 paper Ich bin ein Berliner, Dunkers and Donuts in American Popular Culture, in some circles, donuts became symbols of lazy, vindictive police who abused used their authority while chowing down on a possibly perfect food, end quote. Deutsch felt that both the association of donuts as junk food and the stereotype of lazy officers oppressing the common folk loving donuts were anathema to the donuts' long history as a populist pastry in America. But I wonder what he'd think now, three decades on from writing his paper, as we've seen donuts become something of a hip, gourmet treat. The franchises are still there, the accusations of donuts being too unhealthy to ever be allowed are still there, and the homespun mom-and-pop shops still exist, at least in regions that Duncan hasn't completely dominated. But there's also been a resurgence of donut culture, getting creative in ways that sometimes look nothing like what the donut dollies of World War I would recognize. 
No matter how many different breakfast cereals places like Voodoo Donuts try to cram on a yeast ring, even these modern incarnations retain two important elements, elements whose origins are both a bit of a mystery, the name Donuts and the trademark hole in the center. Okay, jelly donuts and long johns and stuff don't have the hole in the middle, but go with me here. Quoting Eater, The now-standard donuts hole is still up for debate. Food writer Michael Crondall surmises that the shape came from recipes that called for the dough to be shaped like a jumble, a once-common ring-shaped cookie. In Cuisine and Culture, A History of Food and People, culinary historian Linda Civitello writes that the hole was invented because it allowed the donuts to cook faster. By 1870, donut cutters shaped in two concentric circles, one smaller than the other, began to appear in home shopping catalogs, end quote. Regardless of who figured it out first, the explanation that a big ol' pastry cooked more evenly if you simply cut out the center is probably the true origin here, but all of the folkloric origins are pretty fun. Another likely invented origin story has to do with a New England sailor. Quoting the BBC, One version of this legend holds that Hanson Gregory's mother made donuts to take on his trips, and he jammed it over a handle on the ship's steering wheel to eat during a storm. End quote. There are a few versions of the Hanson Gregory story. In another, per Smithsonian Magazine, his mom had figured out that cutting a hole in the center would help it cook evenly through, but she also put some hazelnuts and walnuts in the center, thus a dough nut. And yet another pretty hilarious origin story is recounted by James Deutsch, the scholar writing in 94, quote, Even more absurd is a competing claim that the hole was first created when a Nauset Indian shot an arrow through the window of a log cabin in New England, miraculously piercing the center of a dough cake that was being fried by a pilgrim woman, end quote. And as for the name Donuts, no matter how you spell it, with a U-G-H or not, the BBC refers to John Townsend's YouTube channel 18th Century Cooking, which says the name, quote, could be derived from the already well-established confection called Ginger Nuts, which are little round cookies about the size of walnuts. Donuts are little round balls of dough, and thus they are nuts, end quote. Or maybe it was Hanson Gregory's mom putting those walnuts in the center of them. Who really knows? But donuts, having now shed a bit of their American patriotism, continue to bring joy around the world. I mentioned how important donuts were to frontline soldiers in the world wars, and in Australia last year, they similarly became a symbol of hope in dark times. In April of 2020, data analyst and founder of COVID Live, Anthony McCauley, started using donut emojis to represent zero new cases in tweets about case numbers in various regions of Australia. The donut shorthand caught on as the months rolled on, and in October, when the state of Victoria hit their first day of no deaths and no new cases since early summer, everyone informally decided at once that it was Donut Day. People flocked to the shops buying out entire inventories of donuts at grocery store bakeries. Government officials posted photos of the donuts they were gifted, and donut shop owners reported being pleasantly surprised by the demand. As subsequent no-deaths-no-new-cases days occurred, the demand kept up, and at least for a while there, donuts symbolized a bit of hope in the pandemic for Australians. 
To conclude from the BBC, quote, The donut of the modern shop may be wrapped up in a narrative of American homespun delights, but fried dough is a comforter of souls, in distressed circumstances or otherwise the world over. Look beyond the usual options and you'll find a donut in most every culture, each of them with their own stories, their own romances, their own devotees who will tell you just exactly what makes a good one. End quote. So speaking of donuts, eating donuts on New Year's Eve helps bring good luck in a number of cultures. In Germany, it's usually jelly donuts, but sometimes one of them will be secretly filled with mustard, and whoever gets that one is cursed with bad luck for the new year. New Year's Eve is not the only day for donuts in traditional German culture, nor are donuts the only food that bring good luck in the new year. Any ring or circle-shaped food will do, according to some, as this symbolizes coming full circle. Going back to James Deutsch and his 1994 paper on donuts that I referenced in the last segment, he opined on the appeal of the donut, saying, quote, other observers look for an explanation in the shape of the donut, known as the torus or toroidal topology, which some scientists believe is not only the shape of the universe, but also of its tiniest particle. Thus, the donut may represent on a symbolic level the circle of life, which would account for its popularity in certain calendar customs, such as the spring celebration of Fastnacht in Germany, when donuts are widely eaten, in part to guarantee another successful year of life. End quote. Fastnacht, or fasting night, is the day before Ash Wednesday, meaning Shrove Tuesday, aka Fat Tuesday, the day when some people indulge before fasting or giving up something for Lent. Back in the day, donuts were a great way to clear out ingredients a household may be giving up, like sugar, butter, and lard. But eating donuts is hardly the only New Year's custom. As New Year's Eve is coming up on Friday, and especially as many of us may be marking the occasion in a more subdued way than usual this year, I thought I would share a few from around the world that you might want to try out and incorporate into your celebrations, large or small as they may be. So one of my personal favorites is the Spanish custom of trying to eat 12 grapes right at the stroke of midnight. If you finish by the time the bells are done tolling 12, you'll have good luck all year. According to NPR, while most of Spain holds their big parties after midnight, celebrating the actual countdown at home with their families, the public venues that do have large celebrations have to order crates upon crates of grapes and dole them out to each guest. And while it's a strong tradition now, some believe it was originally made up by Spanish winemakers to increase demand for grapes in the winter. Of course, in many places, sparkling wine is still typical right at midnight. In Russia, according to Mike and the Washington Post, they spike their champagne with the burned ashes of a piece of paper that they wrote a wish on. So write a wish down, burn it, and put the ashes in your champagne, toast at midnight, and drink up. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and put the please don't try this at home disclaimer here, unless it's a tradition you're familiar with. I don't need anyone going to the hospital on New Year's and saying the cocky ride home guy told you to do it. 
But anyways, the whole idea of making wishes for the new year, or at least hopes and resolutions, is said to go back to the ancient Babylonians, who used the turning of the new year as a time to both reflect on the past and plan for the future, according to the Old Farmer's Almanac. And of course, while I'm talking about the new year that many of us will celebrate this week, the new year happens at different times on different cultural calendars. For example, Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish new year, is also a time to reflect and be introspective, and is sometimes celebrated by eating apples dipped in honey, which is delicious. As a bonus, you could combine this with the Czech tradition of predicting the future by cutting an apple in half and divining meaning from the shape of the core. Now, the Chinese New Year also shares many customs with other New Year celebrations like parades, cleaning out one's home, spending time with family, and setting off fireworks, which were, of course, invented in China, so us non-Chinese owe our New Year pyrotechnical spectacles to their innovation. And it's not just fireworks being set aflame in some parts of the world. In Ecuador, some people burn effigies of people or that otherwise symbolize bad things they want to leave behind as they head into the new year. No word if they put the ash from the effigies into their midnight toasts. Now, if you're worried about all of these fire activities, you could also include the Cuban tradition of throwing a bucket of water out the window to cleanse and renew yourself or your household of last year's problems. Or take a leaf out of the Greek's book and hang up some onion around the house. Quoting Washington Post, In Greece, onions symbolize rebirth, so people hang them up on their doors on December 31st to encourage a year of growth. Keep the Greek traditions going by baking a vasilipita on New Year's Day. Hide a coin in the cake and share it with your loved ones. Whoever finds the coin is said to have a year of good luck. End quote. And I feel like this one might be tempting fate, but if you miss traveling and are feeling optimistic about your prospects in 2022, you can try this Costa Rican tradition of running around the block at midnight while holding your packed suitcase. If you prefer to make your superstitions a little more private, you can participate in the oft-repeated, rarely verified tradition of wearing red underwear for good luck. As more fashion magazines pick up this custom each year, more and more colors are added to mean different things. Wear red underwear if you want luck and romance, yellow if you're looking for financial prosperity, white if you're hoping for some peace and relaxation, and green if you're looking for adventure. That's what all the magazines say, anyways. But one New Year's tradition that definitely has a long history behind it is eating black-eyed peas on New Year's Day, often with pork and some greens mixed in. It's an especially important tradition among many black Americans. Quoting the New York Times, The choice of greens, usually cooked with pork for flavor, comes from the perception among black Americans that folded collard greens look like paper money, said Adrian Miller, an author and food scholar. Eating greens on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day is believed to bring about greater financial prosperity. The peas promise good luck, health, and abundance. End quote. The Times points out that it was the forced migration and enslavement of Africans by Europeans that helped lead to this tradition in a way. Collard greens originated in Europe, while black-eyed peas are native to Africa. Quote, Geography also played a role in the variety of interpretations that emerged. In regions of the country influenced by the British, collards or kale might be served on New Year's Day, while in states like Louisiana, where there is a stronger German influence, people often enjoyed cabbage. Black and southern traditions eventually became inextricable. Though New Year's culinary traditions persist across the South, 
South. Frederick Opie, a professor of history and foodways at Babson College in Massachusetts, noted that they can take on particular significance for black Americans. Is there a correlation between a society or a culture that has experienced a larger-than-usual sense of being oppressed and marginalized and that the hope for the next year means possibly experiencing something better? I suspect there is, he said. End quote. There are, of course, tons of different New Year's traditions and customs in different communities and individual families all around the world, but I like the way that the New York Times and the scholar Adrian Miller quoted before summed it up. Quote, Though the menus may vary, the purpose is the same. The tradition has lived on because it's fun and it speaks to aspiration, Mr. Miller said. You always hope that no matter what your condition is, that there's always a brighter future. End quote. Well, that is all I've got for today. A reminder, no show tomorrow or Friday in honor of New Year's. So that is it from me for this year. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotke.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again in 2022.